0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr. Thank you for joining us where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. And today, this is not a, a sexy topic. Um, we're talking about bio writing, but it is a very important topic. And it's a topic that we actually um, have to tackle um, every time we're putting together a press release for a new album or signing an artist and and or, or putting together a website or filling out a social media bio. There's so many times where this uh, task comes up, and I know a lot of us dread it. Artists hate to talk about themselves. We always kind of pass the buck onto them and make them write something about their new album. And so we're going to dive into how we can uh, easily tackle this topic. And I'm uh, uh, this is part of our Industry Insider Series. And I'm talking today with Sammy Main, who is a uh, writer, uh, an author, uh, an editor at Goldflake Paint, And she also does um, bio writing for artists and for record labels. And so it's such a pleasure to have her on the show today. And I'm telling you, um, you really have to listen to this episode because I know that all of our listeners encounter the responsibility of writing a bio And there are some incredibly wise nuggets in this episode. Uh, And so I really want to make sure that you listen. uh, And I think you're going to find this really helpful. Speaking of helpful, um, after I recorded this episode, I put together some of uh, these ideas and I basically put together this one sheet of some tips and, and a little checklist and some examples of bio writing. And I've included that in our record label toolkit. So if you've already downloaded our record label toolkit, which has some other things, some other checklists, and some other resources in there, then you're going to need to download it again to get access to this new one page on bio writing. And so go to otherrecordlabels.com slash toolkit and download that now. And I've included some updated piece on how to, to, uh, to craft a bio for your artists. Let's roll right in. I'm I'm really excited about this topic because it you know in the grand scheme of things like when of all of the components of releasing a record and and promoting a record, uh, writing a bio for an album or or for a band is 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 a pretty small piece, but for some reason in my mind it's like such a linchpin. Like it's such uh, like a a wrench that can can just completely ruin everything or slow down the process so the reason i wanted wanted you to come on here and and why i think we need to talk about you know writing bios and 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 kind of camping out on that subject for a bit is uh, like it's something i dread as a label owner as an independent artist it's something i'm not good at um (laughs) maybe i put in like 10 seconds into it sometimes the the problem is is that like the need for it comes up all the time like whether it's on our website or writing grant applications or press kits um for something i dread so much i just have to do so much of it so why are these things uh, it, um so like why are why are bios so painful for <laughs> dummies like me
1: um well i think bios are a chance for um to see your your art and your craft objectively and i don't think you can actually do that hmm. um no matter how hard you try and so i think that's why a lot of artists um struggle to do it themselves some don't like some do do their own artist statements right. that could turn into bios but i think um to step back from your own Piece of work and to say, okay, well, what is this about is actually quite difficult for a lot of artists. Hmm. Um, so I think bringing in an outside perspective to help the artists talk through the themes on the record can really help them to understand what this piece of work is about. And actually, the conversation will bring out things that they may not have thought hmm. before. Um, so Yeah, I think that might be why it's so painful. I don't have the complete answer to that because (laughs) I find them quite easy to do.
0: (laughs) That's good. um, Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, that's a really interesting point about a fresh set of eyes. And we do that in the music industry with mastering and, and bringing in mix engineers to listen to something after we've, worked on it for so long to bring a fresh set of ears to. So um, it's, uh, it totally makes sense that, that we would do that uh, on how we describe the record.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, um, bios are the thing that is able to create a bridge between the artist and the listener. Mm. Um, and it allows the artists to see their work in a new light and to take a step back because as we both know, so many artists work on albums for sometimes many years. Sure. And I've spoken with a lot of artists who say, oh yeah, you know, I've been working on it for a long time. Some of these songs are like seven years old hmm. um, and they're kind of, you know, sometimes they're a little bit sick of it yes. by the time it actually comes out. Um and so they're not really excited to talk about it or they're not really excited to to deal with it. You know, it's kind of sad that yeah. it takes a long time, especially with COVID. You know, there's been so many pushbacks for album releases. Right. Um, and, you know, a friend of mine, their, their band had to wait two years longer than they thought wow. uh, for an album to come out. And talking with them about the release and um, asking them if they were excited. They were like, mm, well, you know, kind of, I don't know. anymore. <laughs> and it's just, it's kind of like really um, heartbreaking because, yes. you know, these, these people put their, their all into these these albums and these EPs. Um, and so I think, as you said, like bringing in an outside perspective, like mastering um, or someone who creates the album artwork, or yeah, someone mm-hmm. like myself who writes bios, can get them really excited about it again, um, and can kind of ignite some more energy into it. Um, and you know, it points to areas about the album that the artist will want to discuss, whether they know it or not. Um, and so, it's it's good practice for interviews they might be doing in the future um true yeah so and a lot of yeah and a lot of artists especially on independent labels or if they're self-releasing may not have a lot of experience with interviews um and i find when i do bio bio calls um that they're quite nervous to talk about the album um but it's quite a safe environment because I see writing bios as a total collaboration. Um, I of course do a lot of the brunt work and I'll I'll be doing all of the drafts and everything like that. But as we're chatting, you know, I'm just saying to them, this is your story and I'm just the portal to tell it for you. Mm. So uh, that seems to relax them a lot more. Um, I do get a lot of frantic emails after calls, being like, "Oh, I I, I meant this instead of saying that, and <laughs> I don't know why I said that, and <laughs> I forgot to say this." And you know, they don't get that chance when they do interviews with publications, right? And so it kind of helps them sort their head out a little bit.
0: That's a good point. What should the the goal of a bio be? What What, what do we hope it accomplishes?
1: I think it, in my experience and in my intention with writing bios, it's to tell the story of what this record is about. Because that sounds really um, kind of like a blanket uh, response, but I mean it in the way that musicians and artists, and I count myself as an artist in writing, and so this might just be my perspective, but... I think what we're all doing is just striving for connection and understanding through our art. Mm. Um, We're trying to um, show our perspective of the world and share it with others and hopefully connect with others through that perspective. Um, And so it's just really um, important to... Um I'm sorry, what was the question
0: <laughs> no well, what what should the goal of the the bio be like what are we hoping it accomplishes of a, uh, okay, of a good yeah, bio yeah.
1: So, a, a good bio, yeah and I hope I write good ones um, <laughs>
0: but,
1: um yeah, it just accomplishes uh and cements more understanding um about the record because I'll be honest like I've been on both sides. I've been okay. working as a PR and working as a writer mm-hmm. um and discussing bios with a lot of my journalist friends and um a lot of them, including myself, and I'll be honest, like we don't read all of them right. that we get sent I in imagine. our emails. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we get we get <laughs> so many emails and it's really hard to put the time in and the focus to be like, okay, I'm just gonna read this whole page about this album. Often I will read a bio if I'm doing an interview. I mean, I will always read the bio if I'm doing an interview mm. with an artist because the bio is there to tell us what this album's about and what the artist wants to discuss about it. And it's kind of like there to be a jumping off point for questions in interviews. Mm. And it allows the artist to kind of shape the narrative around the press for it. Right. Um, Because bios are the only thing that... I mean, I'm talking about smaller artists. I'm sure huge artists um, actually approve a lot of interviews that come out. Okay, But it's it's not the norm for smaller publications and smaller artists. Um, It's actually quite bad taste to do it to a journalist and say, I want to read it before it comes out and approve it. Right,
0: Um, yeah.
1: So bios are the one thing that artists can control. What is said about the record. Mm,
0: that's a good point. And
1: so that's a good first base to center journalists so that they can understand where the artist is coming from in the first place. And then that is a great jumping off point for a good conversation about it.
0: I've been, I wanna ask you this. Uh, I've been fascinated recently about how, with Instagram and Twitter, often our first interaction with new music as music fans happens visually, whether it's we see an album cover, mm-hmm. a video still, uh, an album review, or, or even just, for me, it's just a, a tweet from a journalist or someone I follow. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, that, it's something that we see that entices us to go listen. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this and, and what does it say uh, about the importance of, of you know, the written word describing music?
1: Yeah, I am someone who loves the visual aspect of music. I'm obsessed with album artwork. Same, me too. I think it's, yeah. And I've written about it quite extensively. Um, Any chance I get,
0: um, (laughs) I put
1: my hand up and I'm like, please. (laughs) And I I always ask about it in bio calls because, of course, it's the first thing that people see. It used to be the first thing that we see in a record store before the internet. Yeah. Um, And so... It's the the visual presentation of a sonic world, which is just so important. Mm. Um, and a lot of people just don't seem to be that interested in it, which I find really fascinating. Same. I'm just
0: like, I totally agree. It, yeah, blows my yeah, mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, And it's just some of it is, you know, it's so beautiful and it's telling a story um, in a visual way. And it's funny that I was thinking about this the other day. How sound, you know, when we hear a word. Um, we hear music, our mind will often like paint a picture for mm. us, and we'll see something mm. um, and so I like to think of that with albums. It's like that's what you're supposed to see when you listen to this music, you're right, um that's a good, point. yeah, I mean, that's getting deeper than I, than I um, <laughs> expected but, um <laughs> yeah, so um visually. I mean, were you asking like what the role? Well, of the yeah, b- word compares to the visual, because
0: sometimes is? it's like we're talking about album artwork for sure. That that definitely pulls me in, and, and same with like product images of of like well-designed vinyl variants or cassettes. But oftentimes, I'm also just pulled in by um, a review, a written review, or even just a mm. tweet. Somebody somebody saying mm-hmm. describing a record in a, such a way that I'm like, I got to hear this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's um, it's funny. Like talking about emails that journalists get, like myself. uh, The first thing we see about an album is the subject line of an email. Okay. And so that's almost like the tiniest bio you could ever imagine. Oh, so so
0: is that important?
1: For me, I'm gonna say personally, it's very important for me. Interesting. If it's an artist I've never heard of, um. I will look at the subject line and be like, do I even want to open that email? Because I'm going to be real and say, I do delete a lot of emails without even opening them. Oh. Um, Because I get so many. Yeah. And
0: sometimes you can just tell.
1: Yeah. And sometimes you just tell, like, especially if they say songstress in the subject line, I'm like, I'm not going to open that. (laughs) Which is, you know, probably unfair on the artist because they probably didn't have any say in that. But, um, in the, there are definite no no words that I just <laughs> I can't even look at. Um, so yeah, I, I think of the subject line as a mini bio, and then in the email itself, you know, the whole bio of the album is not going to be in the the body of the email because that's just too long. Because okay. a bio is roughly you know like four or five paragraphs, mm. and so you need to be thinking about having a very short bio, a like tiny bio, which is the subject line of the email, and then a very short bio that's in the kind of body of the the email that's in the sort of press release uh, aspect of it. And then usually the bio is attached as a document.
0: I see. Um, if they yeah. want to go deeper.
1: Right, exactly. But I totally agree with you with like tweets especially or um, Instagram stories Um, that one sentence can really pull you in to an album and want to check it out. And unfortunately, like I don't like to... In bios, I'll never say, this person sounds like this person. Yeah, right. Um, Because I think that just means what the artist is trying to do. You know, it's their art. Mm -hmm. I agree that most things are a remix of other things, Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately it is a new piece of art that is their perspective of whatever they're inspired by. But I think it's really lazy to say, oh, for fans of
0: yeah, uh, I know whoever. It, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence with that because sometimes as a music fan, it's nice to for somebody just to kind of spoon feed me music that I, that I know that I'm going to like. <laughs> right. At the same time, I totally get what you're saying. It does. It, it is kind of lazy and sometimes it can turn you off when you might actually like the music
1: exactly um <clears throat> and uh but i will say sometimes i i'm i'm counterpointing my own point um <laughs> i will say in the subject line of some emails if it's a new artist um they will sometimes say uh for fans of you know so and so releases mm-hmm. um gracious, you know, gorgeously melodic yeah. folk album for fans of blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, well, I really liked that
0: album. So I might look at that. So, yeah. Now, that's interesting. I also, one of the things that that does, one negative, and I can see a lot of pros and cons, but one negative is that if a, an artist is writing it themselves, I don't mm. like when an artist compares themselves to another artist necessarily because I it plants a seed in my mind that, like, especially when I see, like, Bonnie Vare used to describe an artist's work, I'm like, oh, you're just really influenced by that artist, which is essentially meaning, like, this is just going to sound like you copying him. Which, uh, so right. I, it often plants this negative seed where I'm like, uh-oh, here we have another sound-alike artist, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, one thing to get away from that... um, with an artist writing about their own album is to actually get, especially if you're a very small label owner and you can't afford to pay someone Mm -hmm. to write a bio, um, which is just, you know, that's real, especially right now um, is to just interview the artist yourself and just have a chat about it. um, And then just send the journalist the transcription of that conversation.
0: Wow. That's great advice what makes um, the conversation better than like uh, them jotting down what they think the album means
1: um well I think saying it out loud um often brings up things that they wouldn't write down mm-hmm. um as a writer I'm such a self editor and and Almost to my detriment because I will be doing it as I'm going, and I'll be so like self-critical of what yeah. I'm writing. Yeah. Whereas when we're talking, like we are right now, you're just kind of a lot freer and um, thinking more broadly, I mm-hmm. think, and you're not being so uh, careful to edit what you yeah. say. Um, you I, know, for better for worse, because sometimes you'd be like, "Oh God, why did I say that?" Yeah. But um, it's it's often helpful anyway to just do that have a conversation, have the transcription, and then the artist could maybe write something themselves.
0: That's incredible advice because you're so right. We become, when we try to be elegant in writing, for for those of us who are non-writers, we just Mm. sound like garbage. But we're probably more (laughs) elegant in the way we speak just naturally. Yeah, that's such great advice.
1: Yeah, and often there's, you know, when you're writing, it's a very lonely process. And when people are writing these albums as well it can often be a very lonely process Mm. especially in the very beginning and you can really get in your head about what it's meant to mean or what you're trying to say and it often just make you really frustrated and hate what you're doing even more (laughs) and so just bringing in not even a fresh perspective but like a label owner or a friend um You know, it wouldn't have to be the label owner talking with them. It could be the person who uh, recorded it with them or it could be their partner or Mm -hmm. it could be anyone that they're kind of comfortable with and just having that other person to uh, bounce ideas off of can just bring up themes that they might not have even thought about had they just been sitting in a room and trying to write about what this whole album means that they've been working on for years. It's kind of a big ask yeah. as well. So. No,
0: that's 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 good advice. I want to ask you, we talked to, we're talked. we talking a little bit about pitching these albums, and, and this is, for the most case, where these bios are, are being used. And so we talked about, uh, and this is so helpful, I, I, the idea of a subject line as a mini-bio, and then mm-hmm. you get into a little bit more in-depth in, inside the email. When an artist or, or label is pitching a new release to publications and, and writers like yourself, um, you kind of just can you walk us through a little bit about um, what really works for you? I know that all of my artists and myself included wish that we could just put an album link and let the music speak for itself, but it isn't mm-hmm. that simple, is it?
1: No, unfortunately not. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I have been doing this for like I don't even know 12 years at this point. Mm, wow. Um, yeah, thirteen years. I don't know. I'm I'm getting on a bit now. But Congrats. um yeah. <laughs> um and I've formed really lovely relationships with PR and label owners um who really understand the kind of music I like and really understand the publications I'm working for. And so it's really it's really tedious. And I know this because I did PR for a punk label in Bristol, um, hmm. called Specialist Subject. Um, oh yes,
0: yeah. I've had Kay on yeah. the show. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, Kay is just yeah. the most wonderful human being. Totally. Um Yeah, so they they took me on in um 2018, I think. Um okay. and I, I worked for them for a little while doing PR for their albums. And so I know how tedious it can be to individually pitch. Each person to their taste. Write about which um, feature on their website it would work for, or which playlist, or mm. which. Um, oh, it's just it. I, I it hours and hours and hours yes. go by trying to do that. And I will just say, spreadsheets are a godsend, <laughs> and yeah. color coding yeah. is a gift. <laughs> um, but. Um, It makes a world of difference to be pitched something that is to you and you only. Um, not you only as in the album is only being you, but just the body of the email. Yeah. Um, you know, some people just like spell my name wrong or um pitch me on Instagram when my email is in my Twitter (laughs) bio. Yeah, yeah. And it's that really puts me off, which is a shame because I just I just immediately don't even want to engage with mm-hmm. it. If someone spells my name, S A M M I E, I'm like, well, my name is <laughs> it? Like, you yeah. can just Google me and it's everywhere. So um, I know it's tedious, but I think personalizing um, the emails is so important and, and really getting to know the publications that you're pitching to instead of just blanket pitching the same email to everyone. Yes. Um, because you may get one or two bites, but I think. There is more of a chance of people getting back to you if it's personalized, and then that way you're also growing relationships. Yeah.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No that that's a great that's great advice. I've heard that a lot. I have found that to uh, for for my myself as well to be the case. It's it's the worst advice to hear because what you want to hear is that. BCCing a thousand writers is the is the best way to do it, <laughs> but, <laughs> mm-hmm. but those but you're right. The personalized emails uh, and but the funny thing is is that you can either send a thousand blanket emails or ten personalized emails, and the ten personalized emails are going to have more effect than the blanket right. ones. So it actually could almost be the same amount of work.
1: Yeah, and. I mean, it was heartbreaking for me at times, especially working with a special subject, where I would put days of work into personalized emails, and I would get nothing back.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um,
1: And that's a very real, real, you know, that's that's our reality sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And that doesn't—that's nothing about the music itself. It's usually people are very busy. People are getting, you know, we have to remember there's humans behind everything. but one other thing that I did like to do when looking for people to pitch specifically is just, like we said, we don't like saying um, this album sounds like this artist. Yeah. But if it really does, um, <laughs> just Googling who's reviewed albums of that artist or who's reviewed um, okay. or interviewed that artist, yeah. and you can say, hey, um, you know, I really loved your Boniver review. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, and this this album we think is really you know going to be up your street. So yeah, um, that's and a good then point. that way that's an added like personalized thing because it's like saying, "Oh, I've actually read your work, and I think you're going to really like this." Mm. Um, because, like you said, sending a thousand emails to writers um, who might not even like the genre of music you're sending them so it's kind of pointless.
0: Totally. Totally. Let's uh, let me let me ask you: What was your journey into writing about music like? Can you kind of give us a little bit of uh, the the genesis behind all of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of regret it now, but um, <laughs> I, <agree>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just it's changed so so much since I graduated college in twenty ten.
0: Right. Um, okay. Yep.
1: I, I wanted to write about music since I was about thirteen or fourteen. Um, that was I knew that that was what I wanted to do with How? my life. How
0: did that come to you as a thirteen-year-old?
1: I was obsessed with music magazines. Obsessed.
0: Oh, like what?
1: Um, especially Enemy. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would get my uh, Dave at the corner shop would always put one aside for me every Wednesday. Oh, that's Came out great. every Wednesday. And I would go and get it. Um, and I would just read it after school, cover to cover, on that Wednesday night. And there was still um, the
0: heyday too, right? Like where they'd come and sell a fame with a CD or, and they would they were yeah, huge. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, those years as well, there was a lot of, um, I mean, especially running up to like just before I went to college, there was the huge, huge like surge of indie bands. You know, the Strokes uh-huh, were massive. Yes, yes. And, then all the the Baby Strokes bands came out yeah. and everyone was obs- obsessed with them. And so was I, you know, yeah. I was totally obsessed and in love with all these bands. And I was really obsessed with writing in general. I was, when I was little, I would just write stories and stories and stories. And I would just, that was how I made sense of the world was to write about it. And so I really wanted to combine the two things that made me feel alive, which was music and writing. And I was just hellbent on doing it. And I just was so obsessed with this idea of being able to go to shows and write about it and connect with people in that way. Mm. Um, It wasn't necessarily that I wanted to give my opinion. I just wanted to tell stories. I really wanted to tell Um, the story of why this art was being made and who would connect with it and why it exists and what it can do for us. And um, unfortunately, the reality slapped me in the face a few years later that that's not really what sells or what gets clicks. Mm. Um, So, I mean, I did a lot of um, internships when I was okay. growing up, I did one at enemy, which was very exciting oh, for me as an 18-year-old. Um, and I got food poisoning from their cafe and missed three days of my internship. Um,
0: <laughs> like your first day you got food poisoning?
1: I got like the second day I got food poisoning. <laughs> I was like, all oh, right, maybe this is like trying to tell me something I yeah. shouldn't be <laughs>
0: yeah. going to
1: this career. Um, but, you know, I was, I was fine. I stayed with them. A cousin of mine who's actually a music PR now, um, and yeah, and you know, and I went to a bunch of different talks about writing, um, and then in my college newspaper, I was uh, arts and culture editor, um, and it was just such a thrill to have to to be able to review albums that were sent to me. I'd never been sent advanced copies, oh yeah, and this was a time when they were still sending CDs, sure. Um, and I was very, very excited. Yeah,
0: it was just
1: like the best thing in the world to me.
0: Those CDs um, with the uh, with the hole punched, the UPC was punched in the hole, and it said like "Do yeah. not copy." Yeah, yeah, Amazing. yeah, it
1: was like you will be sent to prison.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the FBI logo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh, like putting in my backpack like contraband. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was arts and culture editor at my my uni newspaper. And then the magazine editor, and I just was like insatiable with with going to shows and writing about them, um, and you know. Then I graduated. I was working in a record store. I got made redundant. I was desperately trying to get a job in this field, and then the job that I did get was not in music journalism specifically. It was for a graphic design website. Okay. Um, but while I was working there, you know, and again, I got to I got to write about album artwork sometimes, which was great. Um, and uh, yeah, so while I was working there, I did start freelancing for a lot of different music publications. And I was also um, hugely involved with Tom at Goldflake Paint, um, blogging almost every day. Right. Awesome. Um, and really trying to build that brand with him. I hate calling it a brand, but I that's guess that's fine. what we have to call it. it. Sure.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> and I was just writing, unfortunately, I was writing for free a lot. Um yeah because it was already apparent that it was not a field that paid well, um, and it was already already deteriorating. Um, Mm -hmm. There was already publications closing. There was already um, websites being taken down. There was already, I think NME went from weekly to bi-weekly, and I could see it happening, which was really heartbreaking, because I'd worked really hard to to get into that industry, and it felt so far away. Mm. Um, and I was living in Bristol. I wasn't living in London, and everyone told me that I had to move to London to to really thrive in this industry, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't live in London. It didn't fulfill me as a place, and so I stayed in Bristol. Um, and eventually I was able to to leave that that office job and just completely... Uh, freelance for music publications Um,
0: Hmm.
1: and that's kind of where I'm at now Um, I have to do a bunch of other jobs on top of freelance writing because that's the reality yeah Um, that's the reality for a lot of
0: freelancers in a lot of industries yeah
1: yeah especially you know it was bad before COVID and now it's just I don't even know what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. Um, there was a lot of uh, freelance budgets just completely cut sure. at the beginning of covid last year um and and now also we're seeing so many more um musicians interviewing other musicians um which i don't know how i feel about that um oh really
0: is that's a thing
1: yeah yeah definitely you know with the bigger the bigger pop stars um and
0: like you mean gone, like a podcast or or as or as like an article
1: article oh, yeah I see. like you know um i can't even think of you know taylor swift interviews paul mccartney yeah was one.
0: right okay
1: um and i think conversations between artists are definitely interesting and worthy of uh, publication, but it's also just like we're struggling enough with it is Can oh, someone yeah, give yeah. us some work, please? <laughs> yeah,
0: they don't need the work. Um Yeah. That's true. Yeah.
1: And so it's really it's been really heartbreaking to see uh the status of um music journalists just I don't feel like um they're as as respected as mm-hmm. they were before. Which, you know, they shouldn't be the the gatekeepers of who gets coverage and you know who gets a time or, or page space
0: yeah but
1: um well i do think that was something quite beautiful about how music journalists were really you know people had their favorite music journalists and mm-hmm, anything that they recommended mm-hmm. you know they would listen to and i feel like that's less and less the case these days um i worked as a news writer um for enemy and it was a lot about just getting clicks you know yeah, and that's the oh, totally. reality for a lot of publications to just survive and be able to create the content that they actually want to create um which is just like really sad so i'm i'm very very thankful to be an editor at Goldflake Paint and to be working with Tom and Hannah yeah that's um, an inc-
0: totally incredible thing
1: yeah thanks so much um we're just really trying to counteract the clickbait.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's, it's just, there's there's something to be said for patience and pause, um, especially when you're listening to an album. Like, rarely do we put an album on and just lie on our bedroom floor anymore.
0: Right. Um, yeah.
1: And so I like to think of Goldflake Paint as the magazine equivalent of doing that still. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, there to tell the story of these people that's why i got into this yeah field in the first place i wanted to tell stories and i wanted to tell the stories that would connect people to these artists and to the world around them and make them feel less alone you know
0: well i'm i'm hoping i totally agree and i'm hoping there's we're you know there'll just be a pendulum swing where you know, very much in the way that physical media started to to come back and thrive in, when digital came. And, and hopefully the the same thing with the written word and with, with journalism where, um, you know, a lot of us start to value it more whenever we, we're trying to um, sift through all of these tweets from random people, you know. Mm-hmm. I loved. Yeah. I still. I still will. When a band that I love is releasing a record and they're they get a New York Times feature, I'll I'll print off the whole. I haven't done <laughs> this in a while, but I'll print off the whole article and and just sit around on a Sunday and read the whole thing. So I I, I do love that. Um, yeah, I love it.
1: Yeah, totally. And it's just the magic of that has kind of gone. And I I really hope you're right that. Mm. There will be a pendulum swing, um, but I will say, as as someone so heavily involved in a print publication, we're not seeing it yet. I see. So yeah, I you see. know, we're we're trying to get subscriptions and we're trying to stay afloat, um, and we're just getting by. Um, but if it's it's got to be people in, investing in it, but yeah. I don't know if people. Have like the focus or the uh, yeah, the time to sit a down word. with the magazine anymore?
0: Yeah, or or even um, or even to support something consistently.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Our financial situations are very dire right now.
0: Mm.
1: Um, but there's so many people who you know I'm am a huge reader of literature. Um, I read like 64 books last year, and oh, wow. I you know I'm obsessed with novels and again it, it's the same thing with uh writing you know it just makes me feel less alone it helps me to see the world in a new way mm. it's the same with music as well and i'll tell that to people and they'll often say wow like i can't even you know pick anything up for more than five minutes yeah that's um, true and that's very, you know. I'll have days when I'm when I'm like that too. And we're all experiencing this like collective trauma and this collective grief right now. And we're all just doing the best we can. Um, and for some people, they'll find solace in sitting down with something and giving it their full attention.
0: Mm.
1: But I know for a lot of us right now, it's so difficult to do that, and it's much easier to distract ourselves with yeah, a thousand true. different things yeah, on a phone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, Totally. Yeah. I, I want to ask you about you know what, what you do with, with respect to bands and with artists and stuff. Is is bio writing something that labels can contract out if they can afford it? And, and how does that usually work?
1: Yeah, so I have written bios for big labels, small labels, and artists who don't even have a label. So um, it works in a number of different ways. Um the big labels will usually have, you know, like five people on CC and be like, Mm. we want it to include this, this, and this. Oh,
0: right. By committee. we
1: need it (laughs) done by this date. And we, you know, it's very like, um, quite a rigid process with big labels. Um, And part of me is like, oh, like, is this what the artist actually wants or are you just shaping the narrative for them just to try and, um, you know, mold it into something that sells which is the reality and that's fine um but i have to say that's probably my least favorite bio uh, type to do with artists on on bigger labels um, but they will contract it out yes and they will have a budget for it and they will offer um the budget that they have um and and then smaller labels i really like working with um and artists just who are self releasing, I love working with. And as I said, you know, everyone's financial situation is completely different. So if it is a small label or a self releasing artist, I will just kind of discuss a budget with them that works for them and for me. Mm. Um, because a lot of people just can't afford to shell out hundreds and sure. hundreds of dollars. Sure. Um, and um, so, yeah, the, the process is a little bit different for each um type of artist but I will usually approach it in exactly the
0: same way. If uh, the the most common question, you know, when when I'm working with a publicist with a band or something and we have to come up with a bio, the most common question that comes up when you're writing a bio for new releases, what if my new album or my or my new band or whatever doesn't have an interesting angle, you know, like a lot of bands mm. would say, we have 10 songs, we wrote them, I, I don't know, there's, <laughs> you know, they can't find the story. Uh, uh, how do you, how do you address that? That's such a common problem right. with bios.
1: Yeah, I, I think it goes back to these bands and these artists having sat with these songs for years and so they don't see a theme and they don't see um, mm. anything special, but it is special just writing music in the first place.
0: Sure, yeah, and that's true.
1: Um, I think just having a conversation with someone outside of your inner circle um or he was not involved in the process and just talking about it
0: kind of like a therapist often,
1: yeah exactly it's, i'm exactly i'm an I'm a therapist um yeah, just drawing out um
0: how many bands what? have you made cry
1: oh None. None. I've not made them cry. I've made them very happy most of the time. You know, there was just a, uh recently there was a, a a small label owner who I did a bio for and he replied to it and just said this bio rocks. There was a real, you know, it was a real aha moment. Oh, and great. It's just thrilling to understand what the record is about.
0: That's beautiful. Um
1: so often I really like to be that middle person who can help the label understand what the record's about as well, not just the artist. And then everyone's just more understanding of each other and it's a much more fun process. Um, So I would say to artists who are struggling, um, just don't think about it that much. Just don't worry about Mm. it that much. You don't have to have... I feel like the, the way the industry is right now, you have to have this really special thing that was a catalyst in making this record, and I think to and I think that's the click you know the click culture is yes. like you have to you have to have some like amazing um, or scary thing that happened. Mm. and I've seen that a lot with journalism in general is that people love to mine artists for their trauma <laughs> and love to try and bring it out and splay it all over the page. And it's okay if you don't want to do that. You don't have to do that for clicks. Oh, yeah. It's just um, yeah, a I trend think that I'm really uncomfortable with. I, I can tell
0: when it's forced. I feel like I can, I can tell.
1: Yeah. Um, and so if it's like, hey, I wrote 10 songs and I really love them, then you just can talk about, well, what was it like growing up? and why did you get into music in the first place and what does writing music mean to you it doesn't have to be specifically about this album it can just be about right. why they do this thing in the first place and usually you'll get a better answer than i don't know um <laughs> because hopefully you know people have a drive to create and they'll they'll know what that drive is it's not it's usually not like i don't know i just do it yeah because if they feel that way then i don't Feel like it's gonna yeah. last
0: that long. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Well, that, that's a great. I love the whole conversation thing because a lot of artists will say to their label reps or or to the labels or um or to their publicists or whatever they'll just say, "I just write music. I don't want to have to describe it or 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 what we talked about at the beginning. They don't want to think about the artwork. Yeah. They don't care about the artwork. They just write music. But I mean, everybody is you know, for the most part, passionate about what they do. And so talking having them talk about why it is they what they do. I mean, you're totally right. I think you could pull so much out of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, in an ideal world, we would just put art out into the world because yeah. um without all this stuff. Um because it's I feel like a lot of albums and a lot of books as well once they're out, they don't really belong to the artist anymore. Oh, they totally. belong to whoever's listening to it and whoever's connecting with it. And it was funny, I was talking to an artist the other day. Um, she She's a regular at the bookstore I work at and um, she's in her 50s and she's just extremely cool and I just adore her and I just want to be exactly like her for <laughs> 20 years. Um, and I was you know, describing um, some of the struggles I'm having with writing And she said, that's really dumb. You have to forget that. Your art is not for you. Oh, wow. And um, I don't 1,000% agree with that. Sure. But I really appreciate uh, what she was trying to tell me in that moment. Mm. Um, And so it would be great um, to just put an album out, put a book out, and let the art speak for itself. But unfortunately that's not the reality and unfortunately that would mean that like hundreds of people were out of a job too <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um
0: if you're this has been great by the way thank you so much if if you're open to working with bands and labels and uh, can our listeners reach out to you and if so uh, how
1: absolutely um I would love to work on more buyers it's honestly my favorite thing to do nice. um because because I get to just tell the story, and it's not for a publication; it's for the artist, yeah, and that's why I wanted to great. write about music in the first place. So, um, yeah, you can absolutely reach me. Um, Twitter is a good place to find me. Okay. It's just um, at Sammy Main, all one word. Okay. Um, and my email is there. And I'll, I'll um, put a, I'll
0: put links to everything in there.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, my email's there. like that's that's the the
0: best place to find me, and you just have to deal with my other tweets that are just <laughs> screaming into the void. But. Aren't we all? I yes. Think it's so amazing to hear, and I mean, this is like talking with a lot of the people that I talk with, but it's so amazing to hear people who are passionate about areas of of the job that I hate <laughs> or that I mm. dread so much. what a beautiful world to to you know to have. Uh, people. And I I imagine there's things that I really enjoy doing that are arduous or tedious that that other people can't stand. So I think that works really well.
1: I mean, it takes a village to release an album.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so the artist doesn't need to feel stressed out about trying to um, tell the story by themselves or the label owner doesn't need to feel stressed out about... Um, getting everything 100% right Mm -hmm. Um, there are like you said there are other people out there who can help um, and usually you can find the right person that's going to make you feel alright about everything Um, and then we just create more of a community and I think that's what music should be about in the first place.
0: Mm, Totally thank you so much for doing this it's been so great to chat with you
1: Yeah, thanks for asking me. I really enjoyed it.
0: And thank you all for listening. You can find out more about Sammy Main. And her name is spelled S-A-M-M-Y-M-A-I-N-E. And you put that all together and she's on Twitter under that name. Um, and her email is there and some of her previous work and, and, and some of the organizations she's been a part of. And so go ahead and follow her. And, and if you are at the stage where you're ready to hire someone, then you can reach out to her. Um, and also go and grab our updated toolkit that has our new one sheet for um, writing bios with some helpful tips and examples in there and some takeaways from this episode with Sammy. Thank you so much for listening. Go to otherrecordlabels.com toolkit to grab the updated toolkit.